text tonight will be taken from Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. At this point in chapter 35, or if we read 34, gives us some context of um, why God sends Jacob to Bethel, back to Bethel. Jacob found himself again in, in distress. He was in distress um, 20 plus years ago when he had to run from home, which we'll consider. He was in distress when he had to face his brother. And here he's in distress, finds himself in distress because his sons, um, slew all the men of Shechem as punishment for defiling their sister, Dinah. And, um, Jacob is afraid of the Canaanites that they're going to seek revenge. So God says, go back to Bethel. There's significance to that. In Hebrew, Beth means house or place. El means God. So Bethel or Bethel means house of God. We're familiar with Bethlehem, which means house of bread. The octet saying tonight, um, this is God's house, God's place. This is Bethel, the house of God. Bethel was a holy place, a place consecrated, a monument which Jacob had appropriately named. He named this place Bethel. Originally it was named Luz, the house of God. Jacob established a personal memorial at Bethel at this spot because that's where he had a real encounter with God. Bethel was a place of refuge for Jacob, a place of spiritual blessing and help. It was there that he had witnessed uh, the presence of the Lord. It was there that he had a life-changing experience with God. It was there that he made a, a commitment to the Lord uh, uh, that, that influenced the rest of his life. It was at Bethel that God, Jehovah, became his God. We too need a Bethel in, in our spiritual life. A place, uh, a, a time and a place where we can point to where we had a real encounter with God that changed us. Bethel was the place where Jacob made a commitment to the living God, a vow that he would uh, make Jehovah his God. We need a Bethel, a place, a starting place. But then often God sends us back to Bethel or to a place uh, uh, where we, spiritually speaking, we can encounter or we have encountered God. And, and we have monuments or Bethels. We might place to place at an altar or in a pew and say, that's my Bethel. That's where God met me. That's where I received forgiveness. That's where I was justified. That's where my chains were broken. And that became a monument. That is a monument. That was a place where God met me. And we might play a point to some place across the street on the campground. Or we might play, point to a place in our car or in our house or, or out in the forest, wherever it might be where God met with us. 
Uh, we may point to Bethel in the middle of a crowd, and but yet it's an intimate, a private place with us and God. A Bethel may be and will be many places in the scripture as we study and, and, and look in the word of God. And suddenly God appears there, if you will, and opens our mind, our eyes, our spiritual understanding. And we place to the point to those places as Bethels. So we want to go back seven chapters to chapter 28 and consider Jacob's first experience at Bethel, which took place a little over 20 years before this today's text. Jacob had tricked Esau, his brother, into selling his birthright uh, for a bowl of lentils. He also deceived his father and stole Esau's, Esau's blessing. Jacob's sinful actions against his brother made Esau bitter and angry. Uh, Esau hated Jacob. So much so that he determined to kill him. Their mother, Rebecca, hears about this and uh, she uh, figures out a way to spare or save Jacob's life. And she convinces Isaac to send Jacob away to Laban's house, her brother's house. And sure enough, uh, Isaac sends Jacob away and Jacob flees from Beersheba. He leaves his parents and heads out with nothing to his name except the clothes on his back and a staff in his hand. Greed and selfishness have taken many people on a path of darkness, loneliness, and distress. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life have driven many a people to take things that don't belong to them. That, that To take things that are not lawful in God's eyes. Covetousness, cheating, stealing, deceiving are sins that harm our neighbor. Earlier this week, uh, we enjoyed a song. I, I, I enjoyed it online that had a beautiful yet a sobering message that says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. It is sobering. It's a sobering message. But it's a comforting message uh, to those of us that have experienced the, the grace of God and the deliverance and that it continue to experience the grace of God that keeps us every day from sin. Sin enslaves. Sin keeps you coming back for more. It wasn't enough for Jacob to take Esau's birthright. He had to have his blessing too. Sin keeps coming back for more. And it promised that next time it will be better. But it never satisfies. It leaves you in want. It leaves you wanting more. It leaves you with more conviction, more guilt, more remorse. Sin separated Jacob from his family. Sin separates many uh, from their family today too. You know, some somebody may say what I do with my life. The sins that I commit, they're my business. It doesn't hurt anybody. But I would dare say that there are a lot of parents that are grieving, that have their hearts broken because of the sins of their children. There are a lot of wives that have broken hearts because of the sins of their husbands. There are a lot of husbands that have, that have broken hearts because of the sin of their wives. Many homes that are broken because of sin. Sin leaves a trail of damage. Sin leaves a mess behind for more than just 
the individual, but for oftentimes for the rest of the family. Sin leaves distress and grief. Most of all, sin breaks God's heart. Sin hurts God because he hates to see his children, his creation, uh, 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 separated, alienated from himself. Sin separates man from God. So while Jacob is on his journey, he arrives at these mountains near the city of Luz. And as we read the text, it almost seemed like this happens by chance. But if you study uh, uh, previously uh, through, through Genesis, you, you find out that Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, had uh, multiple experiences at Bethel. It wasn't named Bethel yet, but now Jacob names it Bethel. You might think that you happen to just arrive here by chance, uh, but many have encountered God here. And this is not uh, by chance or accidental. God intends to uh, uh, show himself to you. If you just by faith open uh, your heart to him, even tonight you'll find that God will love to adopt you into his family. By this point in the night, he arrives at these mountains uh, of Luz, and uh, he's tired, and it's dark. Uh, but he has uh, no bed to sleep in, no servant to cook him a warm meal, no mom to cook him a warm meal. So he grabs, a, finds a few stones, sets them as his pillows, and goes to bed. Sin uh, brings distress, misery, and unrest. Sin robs you of 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 your sleep. Uh, robs you of peaceful and comfortable sleep. You may feel like you're sleeping on on rocks. <laughs> Isaiah 57, 20 says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, which when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up my and dirt. Verse 21, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. On the outside, the wicked may seem like they're doing just fine. But there's no rest on the inside. We can't tell that. But God sees the heart and the honest one after a, a, a while in sin. Hopefully you don't stay there long. But And I don't know if anybody's there tonight in sin here. You all look like safe people. But God sees the heart. Uh, but, but there's no rest to the sinner. Sin has consequences. Jacob suffered a lot of consequences for his sins. Brought a lot of heartache. And if you look at Jacob's actions, and then you look at the actions of his children, they were worse than Jacob's even. Uh, the influence of the father on his children, where sin abounds, God's grace did much more abound. There's grace for, for this hour, and there's forgiveness. But sin has consequences. And eventually, the Bible tells us that what you sow you will reap. J Jacob reap what he sowed. But ultimately, if our past sins are, uh, if somebody's past sins are not dealt with, eventually they follow you into eternity. And they show up like ghosts to haunt you on Judgment Day. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So Jacob falls asleep. And Jake, as he sleeps, he dreams. 
And in his dream, he, see, he, he sees a ladder or a stairway, we might say, set up on earth and goes all the way to the top, all the way to heaven. And at the top, he sees God at the, the uh, ladder. And he sees angels of, the angels of God ascending and descending on this ladder, which describes or communicates the communion between earth and heaven. Between the, the physical and the spiritual. Be, between man and God. And Jacob, this was no ordinary dream. This was a real encounter with God. And Jacob hears God speak in verse 13. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. And the, the, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread her abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The beautiful promise that his grandfather and his father received. Now God offers it to Jacob. And I love those words and these words also as God continues with the message. He says, Behold, I am with thee. Remember right now, Jacob is by himself, a fugitive, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. We see here Jacob, the deceiver, the conniver, the cheat, the thief, running away from his problems, running away from the consequences of his sins. And what does God do? God appears to, to Jacob and shows him mercy and offers him grace. His marvelous grace, grace infinite, marvelous, unmerited favor. God offers Jacob the same promise. God offers him forgiveness. God offers uh, fellowship with God. So today, uh, on this day at Bethel, Jacob experiences the fugitive, experiences divine adoption. God tells Jacob, I will be your father. You know, I believe in one of the Psalms, David said, when my father and my uh, mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. When others forsake you, God will come by, or if you find yourself alone, and if you find yourself, spiritually speaking, a fugitive because of the sins that you've committed, the grace of God appears to, has appeared to all men, the Bible tells us. And God has appeared and it provides His grace to you and to me. This was no ordinary dream. This was a real encounter with God. So much so that, that Jacob awake, awakens in the morning early and grabs one of those stones that was, was his pillow. And now he, he anoints it and says, this is going to be Bethel. This is the house of God. I, I didn't realize that God is here. You know, God can be in a place like this in God's house, and some may not even realize it. Others do. Praise God that, that there are people that love God's holy word, and, and all they want is to be in God's will, and ultimately be with Him in heaven. And, and there are those that can sit in a gospel meeting and miss that God is here, but God is here tonight. So this uh, uh, experience became a defining moment. He names it Bethel, the house of God. From now on, this place would be known as Bethel, not as Luz. Bethel would tell of an exile from his father's house that had a glorious vision, glorious experience with God. 
and a divine adoption. Bethel will serve as a memorial of where the holy God gave Jacob uh, the inheritance. Bethel for us, our spiritual Bethel, is when God doesn't offer us some piece of land. He offers us the eternal inheritance, heaven. When God, our Father, shows up and He says, I love you, I know you've been running away from me, but all I want to do is forgive you. If you'll just turn away from your sins, put your faith in me, I will adopt you and make you my child, and I will offer you the treasures of heaven. So Bethel would remind Jacob of a ladder that connects man to God. You know, Jesus in John 1.51 says, Verily, verily, I send to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That ladder was a type of Christ. God opened, uh, in Jacob's vision, God opened heaven to earth, but also God opened heaven on earth. You, if we wanted to reach God, we couldn't on our own. So God comes down to us and he opens. In fact, he says, this is the gateway of heaven. Jesus is the gateway or the door into heaven. There's no other way to eternity. There's no other way to forgiveness and freedom. There's no other way but through the mighty name of Jesus. But whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We thank God for Jesus, the ladder. Uh, he is the way. He bridged the gap. He, he, he built a bridge. One author said, uh, wrote a song that he built the bridge to heaven with two, two pieces of wood and one nail. God built the bridge. Jesus did through the cross. And God says to Jacob, come back to Bethel. Bethel represents the cross. Bethel represents the cross, and we want to come back to the cross. Stay near the cross. Bethel would remind Jacob of a voluntary vow or a promise of commitment to God. These are beautiful words. Genesis 28, 20. Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Up until this point, Jacob uh, figured a way to trick people to get ahead. To take advantage of people now. He says, if God's going to provide for me from now on, I'm not going to try to figure things out on my own. I'm going to let God be my provider. And if he's going to provide for me, everything he gives me, I will return a tenth unto him. This is before the law given to Moses. He, he senses need to, to pay a tithe back to God. To acknowledge that his blessings come from God. Basically, Jacob said, if God's going to bless me, if God will be my father, if he will take care of me, how could I not serve him? How could I not honor him with my substance, with the first fruit? How could I I not serve him for the rest of my life? So this evening we ask the question, do you have a Bethel in your life? Is there a place you could point to where the Almighty God, in a real in a, in 
That's the best we can do, real. <laughs> That's what God does. He makes it real. In your soul, a real encounter with God where you experience His mercy and grace when God makes His promises real to you. Do you have a place, a Bethel, where God changed you? Where you, where, uh, uh, when God came down and left you in awe? Do you have a Bethel place that you cherish, an intimate place with God? I dare say as Christians, you know, I think back on my life, there are a lot of Bethels. It started in California uh, at 12 years old uh, at a youth camp where God used uh, a, a song to speak to my heart and to show me that He loved me. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given a test that we should be called the sons of God. And through that song, the message of that song, God convinced me through the Holy Spirit, convinced me that He loves me and He wants to be my Father. And I experienced a Bethel there where God changed my life at 12 years old. But there's been many since then, many Bethels I could point to. There, there are times I could think back around the altar in my home church, in a, in a pew, though often I try to pray at the altar, and we should too. We meet God, there's, there's a blessing, and pray together around the altars, a prayer. But there are times I can remember in, the, in, in, in my 1981 Honda Civic, in the uh, parking garage at the college, where God often came down and met with me. Those are Bethel, Bethel experiences where God came down and reassured me of His promises. Where God came down and said, Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When God gives you a scripture like that, that's a Bethel. There's more to that scripture in my life than I can ever explain to anyone else. This evening, we have an opportunity to pray. You know, Jacob found the grace of God just as he was. I don't, like I said, I don't know if there's somebody here that's not saved, that's living in sin and in heartache. God offers you his grace offers you deliverance he's a chain breaker we, we don't have to clean ourselves up first we just come to God and say just as I am all I have is yours we turn away from our sins and make God our God and we'll find the fellowship that this and the joy and the satisfaction this world can never offer the song uh, of invitations 478 let's have a time to pray